This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. we know it they must be destroyed is no more cities are under siege the land of the living has become feeding up human flesh the land of the dead if these creatures ever develop the power to think to reason we're all dead in one last outpost it was my ingenuity took an old world and made it into something new we have survived rivers protect us on two sides I put up the fences to make it safe. And these fences go all the way across? Both ways. But if the living can adapt... Things are changing. These guys are not just walking. So can the dead. It's like they're pretending to be alive. They're mindless walking corpses. They'll never get across the river. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degenerations, sequel to Deja Vu, where everything is sequels, sequels, and more sequels. The good, the bad, and the ugliest sequels. And this week, I, I don't know, we were, we're finding some middle ground here. My uh, current co-host, which I'll welcome in right now, is uh, Derek Worley. Thanks for coming back. 
I'm so glad to be back yet again. Yeah, and this is going to be a different one for us. We covered one sequel that we both loved and that we reviewed favorably, and then we did one that we both hated and reviewed both reviewed equally non-favorably. <laughs> and this one, I, I think like we have an idea where the other one is going to be coming in at, but uh, you know, this is one we, I guess you could say we don't see eye to eye on, so this will make for some uh, some interesting banter, I think. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm so excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the well, without further ado, folks, we will be covering uh, 2005's Land of the Dead, George A. Romero's return to the zombie genre. Uh, he had been absent from the zombie genre, but not absent from filmmaking. He had made uh, quite a few films between uh, 85 and 2005, which is the hiatus from uh, Day of the Dead and Land of the Dead. And, uh, you know, it's... Of the original trilogy, I love all three films, Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, but my favorite is Day of the Dead. You know, I'll let you figure out why on that one, because that seems to be everybody's least favorite. I always pick the least favorite in a trilogy to be my favorite. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, because Day of the Dead is actually my favorite as well. Um, I was all actually, right. Yeah, right I, on. I, I, I was actually just about a week, week and a half ago, I was at the... Uh, Douglas Education Center there at the uh, the Tom Savini makeup program. They did a screening of Day of the Dead with some of the uh, makeup effects students, and uh, they Tom was there and he did like commentary with it. And he even made a comment nice. that he he's like, I don't understand why this is most people's least favorite. Uh, he, he said it, it was so much fun to work on that film, and I mean, I I could totally see why it would have been, but it's like, holy cow! It, I, I I think it's just so high above the others i just i love the zombies in that i love the story it's it, it's a really good one i think well and to me zombies have never looked better they never looked better previously and never looked better since uh i think the zombie makeup in day of the dead is far superior than anything anything else anything in the walking dead anything current past present probably future uh they're my favorite like just they they look like dead flesh they don't oh, look yeah. like they've had makeup put on them and no matter what like a zombie to me always kind of looks like you know there, there's there's a seam that i can find there's something that's not blended right but like my god day of the dead again superior they, zombies they look legitimately scary <laughs> yeah like, they look gross and nasty right right and you know uh a little bit of uh history with me in this film this film debuted the weekend of my birthday. Uh, you know, it deb debuted, I think it was, uh, gosh, June 19th or 20th. My birthday is the 22nd. And, you know, so I would thought of like, it was a, it was a gift from the, the, the undead gods, you know, so it was like, finally Romero's making a new zombie movie. It comes out my birthday weekend. I know what the fuck I'm going to be doing. And I was extremely let down. Uh, Upon this is only the third time I've watched this. I watched it one other time when I bought it on DVD because it, you know, hey, it's the director's cut. You don't want to see maybe if there was something different. And I didn't remember my opinion changing of it much. And I have not really watched it probably in the last decade or so since I had bought it. But again, we'll get into our thoughts in it here in a little bit. Let me go ahead and give the really quick IMDb synopsis and then we'll start tearing into this one. All right, Land of the Dead, 2005. 
The living dead have taken over the world, and the last humans live in a walled-up city to protect themselves as they come to grips with the situation. And it's, I feel like that's very vague. That as much as I don't like the movie, I feel like uh, it's about a whole lot more than that. It's oh, a it's, lot. It's, it's a much, lot about the haves and have-nots, the the rich and the poor, what they what happens to them after mm-hmm. the fall of civilization. Yeah, and that's that's definitely one of the biggest things I took note on uh, when when rewatching this. And I I feel like Romero, all of his films definitely have that social commentary in there, and I feel like. Definitely. Uh, he, he's always been really good about that. And I feel like it's never really super heavy handed. But I, upon my rewatch of this, and as I'm kind of reviewing uh, Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead, uh, I'll be doing that today. Um, I'm finding that the, the, this like newer trilogy, of the, it, it does come off a little bit heavy handed, like a little bit in your face of like, oh, this is what it's like when this happens. You know, the rich will still be okay, and uh, the the rest of us, probably not so much. So it's uh, it, it definitely goes a lot deeper than just like, oh, it's people surviving the zombie apocalypse. It kind of does delve into the, the human side of the apocalypse as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I feel like there are two two stories going on here. It's the rich versus the poor. Is living versus the dead, so I will give it that you know that much that where it's you know it's a little deeper than the other two in, in the trilogy, than Diary totally or Survival. Uh, you know, there's still some social commentary going on there, especially with uh, you know, well, with all, all of Romero's uh, dead movies. There's a lot of social commentary, various uh, various degrees, but like. It's just, uh, I, I felt like the beginning, like the opening credit sequence, I liked it. Mm-hmm. It seemed a little weird because I felt like in the in the previous year, they remade Dawn of the Dead. And sure. the opening credit sequence seemed a little bit mimicking that. But it works. It does work. Mm-hmm. The opening shot, I, lo- I love how it fades from that and it goes into the opening shot of the diner that just says, eats. You know, <laughs> yeah. I did have to admit, I'm like, all right, I kind of, I got what you were going for there. Nicely done, sir. There, there is some good visual comedy. I mean, throughout this whole movie, just little goofy stuff like that that I really, really like. Um, and, and, and you were totally right, because I actually took a second, I was like, because I was trying to remember, I was like, did this come out first, or did Dawn of the Dead remake come out first? Because I knew they came out like a year within, within a year of each other. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that Dawn of the Dead came out first, because working at a at a movie store i see that land of the dead and the dawn of the dead remake get packaged together in like a double movie pack like constantly yeah even though they don't exist within the same universe technically but, <laughs> but these movies these two movies get like lumped together a lot and and there were upon watching them uh, there's a lot of similarities really and it was kind of shocking in a way and i almost feel like with Dawn of the Dead getting remade, I don't know how George felt about that remake. Um, I never really saw much about that. And I, w- when I met him, I never asked because I was so young and starstruck. But it's like... I oh, feel me like, either. I, I ended up asking like, him questions about the dark half when, <laughs> when oh, I met yeah. him. You know, because it's like there's so many movies that he's done that aren't these zombie movies that are amazing movies. That it's like, I oh, God, there's just so much to ask. But I Yeah, when like, you're allotted, you know... 
several minutes, you know, with somebody like that, you know, when right. there's such a long line, you try not to, to abuse the, the situation. It's just like, I could sit and talk to you all day long. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. but and it's like, yeah, what, I got what it. questions do you ask in this amount of time? Like I have trouble. I have at every convention I go to. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel like this movie was almost like his answer to the Dawn of the Dead remake. Like, okay, I didn't like that. Here's how you make a zombie movie because like, there are a lot of similarities to the two. And I could see people who aren't big fans of like Romero or his film franchise or even just movies at all thinking that these two movies are linked because of some of the similarities. I, I, I don't know, but it's like... Well, if you I'm watched curious. them, you know, back to back, you know, Dawn of the Dead could easily, in a manner of speaking, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake could be a prequel to this oh absolutely you know even, it, even watching this i there were points where i started to question the order in which his dead movies were supposed to go because of certain characters in there that i started to look into and i'm like wait a second this guy's in all these other movies and then i'm like wait a second he's dead so that would mean that this movie becomes before this one and I, I really, it really made me start digging a little bit deeper because I was like kind of questioning everything. And I was like, okay, this is really weird. But, um, but you know, I think just generally overall, um, yeah, I just, I, I can't help but feel like maybe he was displeased with that because I, I, I do know he was originally attached to do the Resident Evil um Oh, yeah, the original version of Resident Evil. I read the script. I found it online one one time many, many, many moons ago, and it was an impressive script. I I would like to see uh, his take on it. Well, and and when you watch Land of the Dead, there are scenes with the zombie action in the city that I'm like, oh, my God, this could be a total Raccoon City situation here. And I feel (laughs) like upon re-watching this now, I'm like, man... I, I wish he would have got to do that movie because I'm sure it would have been fucking awesome. So it, it's kind of sad not getting to see that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, the opening credits, among other things, were, were very, very similar to that. But I feel like the color palette of this movie and some of the visual humor uh, definitely separates it because the Dawn of the Dead remake, I feel like, is very, uh, very, very serious. Whereas this, as serious as it is, I feel like there are some comedic, parts of it well and i think uh, that comes a lot in some of the delivery some of the banter between uh uh charlie and slack you know some of yes. the, the the choices that uh, john Leguizamo made you know and uh, that's actually some of the things that i like about it I, I think one of the big things that i don't like about it is, is simon baker i really mm-hmm. don't like him as uh, the riley character as our lead character i i just i find him very flat as an actor, yeah. you know, he's just very one note and just, you know, I mean, he's a decent enough actor. Hell, he's leaves and bounds beyond better than, than I am. So who the hell am I to judge, you know, <laughs> but is this like as a, as an action hero, you know, kind of type is a, you know, but yeah, Simon Baker just, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't sell me on this. So, you know, I, I'm not sold on the mentalist either. You know, just, just not. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. And and I think all these characters, and I kind of even made a little note here, I put Aliens, question mark. Um, oh. <laughs> because when you watch a movie like Aliens, 
all of your characters in Aliens are so uniquely themselves. Each of them are so unique and different and have their own characteristics. And then this, all these characters kind of have their own identities. They're not just like throwaway characters. I, at least I don't feel. But it's yeah, like, I, I will I agree like, with you there. I, I, I feel there. like our Riley character for being the main character is the most, is like the most least interesting of all of them. And I'm like, right. I would have much rather seen a movie where Charlie was the main character. I, I to totally agree. Charlie uh, like, was so entertaining. I loved him. It even, you could have just even, kept, you know, you could have kept Simon Baker, the Riley character, just the character in general, kept him out of it and somehow worked Charlie in with Cholo. Uh, John Leguizamo's character, like, I I felt like that would have been a much more interesting dynamic of having your main hero. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin ruin what happens with certain characters to the end, but, you know, if uh, you would have had just uh, Cholo's arc at the end, we'll, we'll say, and just took Simon Baker, you know, Riley out of the picture completely, it would have been a much more interesting picture. And and another thing, let Dennis Hopper be (laughs) Dennis Hopper. He felt really restrained in this. Like, I love me some Dennis Hopper, and he is always great when playing a heavy or a bad guy, which is what he plays 90% of the time. But I felt like they didn't let him cut loose. He, I agree. He, and he it's, played he, it very close good, to the script. <laughs> yeah, and he is a good bad guy in this. I'm not going to take that away. Oh, no, but, no, no. But you're right. It just feels like he's being confined to a very specific streamline design and i'm just like man let him go off the rails a little bit like because i feel like he could have been totally unhinged through this whole movie and it totally would have fit yeah yeah it totally would have fit now i gotta ask uh, well we usually we talk about these in linear fashion but we can touch base on whatever we like here we'll try not to ruin things until we get to the the spoilers themselves as they happen but the opening shots are very good i don't uh Again, I'll get into why I don't like Big Daddy as a character, uh, <laughs> as, as, as our, you know, uh, let's, let's just, I'll just come right out and say it. It should have been Bub. Bub, it should have been a continuation. And I know maybe the, I, it was copyright I reasons. I would have much rather seen the, the evolution of Bub. I mean, like, it could have been so much more poignant and and relevant if maybe they couldn't get the character you know maybe it was something within the copyright of like the different movies because i know different companies own different parts of the trilogy but like again but that being said um i'm interested at first to hear what you thought of the sky flowers okay that's such a big angle of this this movie and quite frankly i was flabbergasted by it then and I'm still flabbergasted by it now that this was their big thing. I, I, I just when you when you posted that on my Facebook, it made me laugh because I was rewatching and I, I remember it being a part of the film, but I forgot how stupid it is that they call them sky flowers. Like, come on, it's not like we're cavemen and don't know what firecrackers or fireworks are. You know, it's like <laughs> right. fucking fireworks. They're not sky. Like that is so stupid. And that's one of the things that upon reviewing. Because it's been about two or three years since I've watched this. So upon reviewing, I'm just like, that was really fucking stupid to call him that. But and to call him that several times, they hammered it home I where everybody knew that they were called. Over. Yeah. yeah. Over they all knew like over. what they were being 
call. They all knew, like, when you said Skyflower, they knew what you meant. Like, I could have get it that they would have called them Skyflowers once and then referred to them as they are fireworks. Or, like, ah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's fucking it, it mind-boggling. is. And, and it's okay to maybe call them Skyflowers the one time and then have it happen and be like, oh, fireworks, that's cool. And then it never be called uh, Skyflowers again. Yeah, I exactly. fine with that. But if the fact that they, like, seven or eight times through the whole fucking movie calling Skyflowers, I'm like, okay, you can stop with the fucking Skyflowers. I'm going to call <laughs> the TV and beat the shit out of you. Right, um, right. But Like a slap I, the taste out of your mouth and go, they're goddamn fireworks. Oh, my God. Uh, but I Are we four? That and, <laughs> and, uh, and walkers. So, like, Skyflowers, I, I hate the term, but I thought it was cool that they were using fireworks to, like, distract the zombies while they went out and did their thing. I thought that was a cool, yes. you know, a cool distraction type thing so that, you know, they can gather supplies for the city and stuff. And um, and I like how that comes into play later uh, when the humans are, like, trying to break free and escape while with the invasion. But I also thought it was interesting because I never really paid that close attention to it. But they're calling the zombies in this walkers, which yes. for like 05, no one was really calling zombies, quote unquote, walkers yet. But then it's like when they started doing The Walking Dead, what, five years after this? And yeah, I think exactly they, five years after yeah, this, because I think they, it started in 2010, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, it was October of 2010. I remember watching the the uh, the premiere on AMC uh, right around Halloween time, and I was like, you know, they called zombies in that walkers and they have through that whole uh, series. And now zombies are like walkers are like the slang term for zombies now and stuff. And I was like, dude, Romero did that like five years before this. And nobody like that, like never caught on. And I thought that was just kind of crazy uh, hearing and seeing that. Cause I was like, I don't think the term was really being used before yeah, that. I I, Not I that I've think. ever recalled them ever being called uh, walkers. And they also call them stenches mm-hmm. in this, which I think is a, is a unique term. You know, like I, I can understand oh, yeah. biters and, and things like that, but like stenches, it was just like, okay, I get that. I like that. I, I know. I totally agree. So like Skyflowers, uh, goofy name, cool idea, but I think it just got to be kind of silly at, at some point. Uh, I thought it was cool that they were called walkers. Um, and it, it was about at this point, you know, we had the tuba zombie, which I thought was re- really fucking funny for some reason. What I love is the combination <laughs> of the tuba zombie with the the guy playing the tambourine, the tambourine zombie. Yep. Like he'd be like, ching ching ching, ching ching ching, and, <laughs> and they, I was just like, oh well, you know, I mean, they're they're, they're dead, but they got rhythm. Exactly, <laughs> they, they do, and it's funny that you mentioned that it should have been Bob in this rather than quote unquote Big Daddy. Because I'm watching it, and I'm like, this movie kind of expands on some of the things that Day of the Dead was talking about with, um, you know, they can learn or or they remember things. And this movie shows that, yeah, I mean, and even uh, Dawn of the Dead even talked about that with the zombies returning to the mall because it was something they were so used to. Yeah, yeah, that, it was, yeah, some along the lines, this is a place they remembered they liked being here, you know? Yeah, and it's like, why... Why wouldn't we retain some level of that humanity that tells us like, oh, yeah, I remember being here or I remember this thing that I used to do, you know, 24 seven as my job with, you know, the big daddy working at the uh, the gas station or, 
you know, the the butcher zombie carrying around the meat cleaver and whacking stuff. And it's like, this was like muscle memory, you know, that, that has to... Yeah, you know, something primitive, system. rudimentary in your system that's all ingrained in there that's almost like in your DNA. Exactly. So I really do like that aspect in this film that has them kind of remembering these things and throughout the film it's almost like and i'll touch on it more later because i feel like there's a lot of like callbacks in this movie toward like to show like oh no they're learning and they're getting smarter and i feel like that all does stem back to day of the dead the way bub was learning and, and did get smarter and was able to use tools by the end of the movie and then in this it kind of shows how they learn and they from witnessing certain things because pretty uh, soon after we're introduced to Big Daddy or as I wrote down Bub 2.0. Uh, <laughs> you know, That's good. I like that. We're, we're, we're introduced to, you know, Dead Reckoning and all this like Mad Max style um, equipment, which I Yeah, love. that Dead Reckoning is, is oh, so underutilized in this oh, movie. I, I wish they had let it be, be a little bit more badass. <laughs> yeah well i think that's what the original title or working title for this was was dead reckoning I, which it, it, it was upon my <laughs> reviews of uh imdb it was called dead reckoning then twilight of the dead and then like it was called land of the dead dead reckoning and i think they just ended up saying settling with land of the dead which is cool but man the the idea of like dead reckoning and then that vehicle there i i just i think they could have centered the movie entirely around being like a road trip movie of just traveling across country, dealing with zombie scenarios along the way. I, I would have enjoyed that a lot more. I mean, I do like what this movie is, but it's like, man, you can't set up such cool vehicles and such cool imagery with like these badasses on these vehicles, like <laughs> killing zombies and not like do more with that. Because it, yeah. it does slow down quite a bit in between some of those scenes. Um, because, you know, they're going through and slaughtering and, and, you know, Big Daddy's seeing this happening. And you can tell that these zombies are, like, kind of used to this kind of thing happening. Because clearly Big Daddy is bothered by these other zombies being murdered. Yeah, and you notice the first thing, the one thing I really liked. Uh, and there's a lot of things about Big Daddy I didn't like. But, but I did like the fact that he was protective over his other... Uh, zombie brethren you know yeah. and but the first thing he does when they start spraying the place with bullets is push push a uh he pushes a child zombie out of the way yeah. before he starts shoving the rest of the which i'm assuming was the other family members because it looked like a mother and father kind of zombie yeah. but i like the fact it's like oh you know children first you know protect them like I, I I love some of that, you know, and again, uh, like you said, it, it's he's kind of like a bub 2.0, you know, and he's learning and he's kind of not just learning, but he's remembering uh, also, you know, the fact that you protect your own. I, Absolutely. And it's and it's interesting that it, and once again, I think it really goes in with the social commentaries of this film, but it's like it's amazing to me how much respect um you know, the Riley character, clearly nobody loves the zombies, but it's like Riley has so much respect for what they are. And, and you, where your Cholo character is just like, oh, no, they're disgusting and I need to kill them. He's like shooting them all in the face with these like harpoons and stuff. But it's like these zombies 
how are they a whole lot different than us? Because it's like, we're protecting each other from them, but they're also trying to kind of avoid us. And clearly big daddy characters trying to protect others from us. Meanwhile, like they're just like trying to survive while, you know, these human characters are trying to survive and, and get back at like, you know, Dennis Hopper and all the people up top. And it was just, the dynamics and like the parallels drawn between us, the zombies and the rich, it, it, it's, right. it's a total like in quotations, like eat the rich vibes with like <laughs> this whole, with this whole movie. And it's, it's really interesting. And, and that was a dynamic I really liked. Cause it's like, as time goes on and, and the zombies do become more adaptive to us as we adapt more to them. I don't think it's unrealistic to think they wouldn't protect each other from us or become displeased with the fact that we're wiping out their ranks. I mean, how is it any different than like if we saw like a family of tigers and you went up and you killed one of the the tigers in, in their in their group, like clearly the others are going to try to protect themselves and the injured one from us. How, how are these any different? You know, well, I, I kind of see like it shows you two train two modes of thought. You know, with your both characters, with Cholo and Riley. Riley has respect for the dead, and he, but he also has friends and people. You know, well, at least one friend, two by the end of the movie, that are close to him that he respects and he protects. That's Cholo true. has friends, but like they're very you know disposable to him. You know, in, in a manner of speaking. You know, like, I think except for Foxy, Foxy's like the one that he is like his brother, you know, but at the end, you know, he, I think it's kind of like a way of showing that, like, if you have a different train of thought and you have respect, you might live on. If not, you know, that's like the, the Riley character. But with Cholo, he's he's a perfect example of do the same thing over and over again. You know, history is doomed to, you know, we're doomed to repeat ourselves. Absolutely. And so, like, he's, you know, like, in the beginning, what was the, the character? Uh, I, I forgot the name of the character. I think it might have been Mike. But I made a note that Sean Roberts from uh, the Resident Evil series that was in a couple of the Resident Evil movies that played Wesker mm-hmm. plays a very disposable character named Mike that gets bitten when they go into the liquor store to get some, you know. some booze and cigars that they can sell, you know, boot. Yes. I I made note of that because it's like, because you have, um, Cholo here who's trying to act with Riley. Like, Oh no, we got this. It's all cool. I'm going to take this kid with me. I'm going to show you the ins and outs of how we do this. And then it's like his neglect and his like greediness of wanting to grab some extra stuff for him to sell on the street to make some extra cash ultimately butterfly effects in snowballs into that kid getting killed. And then it's like to him, it's like, Oh, Oh, well, no big deal. And he even ends up telling Riley down the road, you know, he took the job, he took the risk like the rest of us. And it's like, yeah, but it was his first night out. And like, you kind of just like turned him loose without like backing him up at all. And he died. <laughs> right. Like, and, and, cool, like, and like, and like, Cholo's character just dumps the cigars on the ground. He's like, hey, I go and pick those up. He, he could have just left the display case on top of the other Seriously. case and just let him take them. And he probably wouldn't have reached down and even disturbed the, the zombie that was like on the ground, you know, yeah. or at least wouldn't have got bitten by him. But, uh, you know, 
it is what it is. It shows you what kind of character he is. He's about making that money, making some cheddar so that he can go and live in Fiddler's Green because, you know, that he is uh, delusional thinking that he, I, mean, I think he's delusional the entire time thinking that he was ever going to get in there. That somebody Absolutely. like. And, and, and I think it's so interesting to me because it's like how delusional he is. And it's just like, dude, you're never going to make it there. But he's fully convinced. And, and it's sad because it's like that inkling of hope. That it's like, yeah, you know, I, I, if, if I make the money, I, I can be there just like anyone else who's there. I, I can be like them, and I, I'm going to be safe, and everything's going to be cool. But it's like, no, dude, like, and it, I'm pretty sure it's even said at one point, we're not like them, you know? And it's like, you're, you're never going to make it up there. And then there does come a point when he tries, and, and it kind of blows up in his face, which leads to his whole you know, kind of terrorist edge that he gets as time goes on throughout the film. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it was really kind of sad to see how all that went down and the way he treated it and the way he acts. Cause it, it kind of just goes to show that he doesn't care for anyone else. He is at, at, at the core really just looking out for himself and trying to do what's in his best interest, which for him is getting into Fiddler's Green and you know being away from the zombies and feeling safe yeah and not having to go out i don't blame him because in a a situation like that who wouldn't want to get away from all that because i i know i don't want to deal with zombies (laughs) yeah yeah i watch them in a movie but i don't want to live in that kind of world (laughs) no no that would totally suck you kidding me (laughs) he does have somewhat of a redeeming not a redeeming arc, but a redemption, I guess you could call it a redemption arc, I guess, at the end. But it's not until, I guess we'll just spoil it at this point. People, if, it's, it's been 16 years. If you haven't watched the movie, please uh, pause the podcast and, and watch the movie, then come back. Yeah, we're, we're, why, you know, why are you listening to this if you haven't even seen the movie? <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, once he becomes a, a zombie himself, he even says, I wanted, always wanted to see how the other half lived. I don't think if he had gotten into Fiddler's Green, he would have had that kind of same attitude. No, if he'd made at it. all. And I, and I think that was his moment of realizing, okay, you know what? This happened. I'm going to make the best of it. And I think he realized at that point how doomed they all were. And I think that's the point when he's like, all right, uh, this is a good time for me to get my revenge. And and so he he if you think about it he kind of did make his way to Fiddler's Green but just uh, in a different manner. And right. Yeah. That, he that, made it that, there. Yeah. Just not how he thought. And uh, and that and that kind of was a redeeming quality because you know the Kaufman character in this movie is just a slime ball and I don't think has a redeeming quality about him, especially his shooting skills at the end. My God. But, oh uh, my lord! I've never seen such a bad shot in a movie before. Never seen such so, a bad shot. So, like stormtroopers are laughing at this guy. They're uh, just like, man, we should hire this dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we can teach him how to shoot. But it's uh, it it, it is kind of cool at the end that he does get his revenge, it in, in a way, and kind of gets back at Kaufman just in time for you know, Big Daddy to show up and, and seal the deal. But it's... um Yeah, Big Daddy know, for it, the assist right there. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> B- Big Daddy has everyone's back if you think about it. But it's, yeah, I mean, that that toward the end, because it's like Cholo, it's like, 
there's things about him I like, but then and there's things about like I understand why he's being this way because it's like, dude, he's just clearly scared and he's convinced that he's going to have a better life on the other side. And he thinks that, you know, oh, if I get the money, it's kind of like that money can't buy happiness. Uh, and he thinks, oh, if I get the money, you know, everything's going to be better once I get there. But then when he when he realizes that, oh, that doesn't matter, you're not one of us and doesn't get to go in. It's like I kind of understand his frustration because also he, much like Riley and the rest of these like, uh, you know, quote unquote, Mad Max characters in the movie, they they're being employed and being used at their own expense to gather supplies for the elite. And, and it was, it was something that I wrote down that this movie kind of right after they get back and they make their way back into this, to the walled off uh, part of Pittsburgh there. It, it, they talk about, which was actually Toronto, wasn't it? Yeah. I think I remember reading that they got, yeah, yeah. That they used Toronto to double for Pittsburgh, but yeah, anyway, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. They did film some stuff in, in Pennsylvania, uh, I don't know what scene specifically. I have no idea, but I did see most most of this, along with uh, the final two dead films, were filmed in uh, in Toronto because I know uh, uh, George did end up moving to uh, Canada there for a while, uh, well, up until his death, actually. Uh, but they kind of go into this whole thing where they they are showing you you know, kind of the slums in the areas where, where the common people are living at this point and how they're living. But then it goes inside of Fiddler's Green and it shows like the elite and the rich that their lives haven't changed. And it's kind of like if you if you look at and not to draw like such a realistic parallel here, but it's like if you look at, you know, the way the pandemic has gone in our real life, you know, well, how a lot of people have struggled in such a way, but it's like, do you think, you know, you're, you're super rich people. It's like, yeah, how's life going to change for them if they have to stay at home, you know? Right. Yeah. First, you're everyday people who have to work and, and all of us who work very hard and um, you know, anyone who's born into wealth or has millions and millions of dollars and don't have to do that. It's just like, Hey, you know, I'm just chilling at home, but it's like in this, they, they show, you know, they're shopping, they're, Walking around, they're laughing, they're having dinner together. They're yeah, they're eating like you know homes. four course, I, oh, you know yeah. four course dinners and like shopping for furs and picking out jewelry and stuff. You know, like they even have like that automated system that I think yeah, that's, that, the, that, the voice on the speaker that's like, oh, welcome to Fiddler's Green, and it sounds like so nice and so uh, serene. Like it, like a like a super rich version of a gated community. It, yes, yes, that is a really good way to put it. It feels like. They're in a super fancy gated community. And then, like, when they go around and it kind of shows uh, some of Riley's friends uh, when they're all, all talking about, like, oh, you know, what, what what would they do if we all teamed up and stormed the place, you know, just because, you know, they're there where, you know, we all deserve a chance and a, and we all deserve to be, you know, alive and well. And, and he's basically just, like, trying to build an uprising. And Riley gives the guys, like, you know, here's some antibiotics for your kid. And it's just, like... My God, like they don't even have medicine down there. They don't have anything. You know, they're watching puppet shows and broken TVs. And, you know, they're oh, like. Oh, and might mention that one of the voices in the broken TV is George Romero. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, he has a line where he says, like, get away from me, you smelly zombie, or something like that. I, I think is the <laughs> line. 
but I read that in the trivia section. It was something that I made a big asterisk and a, and a note over because I was just like, super, I, that's yeah. Super cool. And and not to mention the Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright as the photo zombies. The, yes, there's a lot of good cameos in this. Yeah, and like that. That's part of that. That, that humor that you were mentioning earlier that's a little more prominent in this one whereas the dawn of the dead remake was a little bit more you know was, was a, well a lot bit more serious you know this yeah, one had, I mean, took some liberties with it, it yeah with the humor. It, it does and i think that this is a little bit more entertaining and it's a fun watch and it does get serious at points but it's like when you watch the dawn of the dead remake like it's borderline mean-spirited at points like it's it is dark <laughs> right. and um and I was when I was like flipping through here, you know, we have Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright both as um, photo booth zombies. Greg Nicotero, who plays the the bridge keeper zombie that gets his head cut off with the bridge. Tom Savini, Tom Savini returns as the machete zombie, so as his character from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that was that. I I fist pump when that when he came on uh, oh, on the screen. He's out there and he's whooping ass too. I mean, he's just like hacking people up, and it's like yeah. so entertaining. Um, but then uh, it's funny. There's a tattoo artist I follow on Instagram. Uh, I actually met him uh, at a at a heavy metal concert I went to one time. Uh, his name is um, oh crap! I'm gonna kick myself because I can't remember it. Um, I'll totally remember it. One part. There's a tattoo artist I follow who plays the zombie that's eating the fingers like French fries. Oh, picking uh, them up off the ground, the ground yes, prize. Uh, Bob, Bob Terrell, Bob Terrell. He's a tattoo artist based out of Detroit. And I don't know how he got in there, but he always talks about it on his uh, Instagram page. He's like, yeah, that time I was in Land of the Dead and I was playing the zombie picking up the fingers and eating like French fries or like chicken wings or he's just like, eat. it's so funny. It's like just lots of fun. There's lots of fun zombie characters in this movie. And well, there's a lot of fun zombie characters. There's a lot of fun zombie deaths. There oh, are a yeah. lot of fun zombie effects. I, I will not deny it. That I will. I, I can. I couldn't deny it that because I'd be lying, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. French fry zombie. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and you know this uh, kind of. Once we're introduced to that, they they kind of do end up showing us kind of uh, the darker side of things with the human condition because you know. In dark times, you know, kind of bring out the worst in people, the best and the worst. Oh, yes. In people. Absolutely. And this movie kind of shows that uh, with the next scene when they show kind of the fight pit. Uh, with yeah, as I labeled it, it was almost like a zombie fight club. It, it was in the way they were like they threw the Asia Argento character in there. Uh, her, uh, Slack. Slack. Yes. When they throw Slack in there. And they're they're like, oh yeah, they're not gonna actually fight, but they will if there's food involved, and it's just like, oh, like when I they look. say, because what is it, dog or cat this time? Which like when I first saw that, I was just like, oh no, they're gonna throw a dog or cat, and it's like, oh no, they're gonna throw a fucking person in there. Yeah, of course yeah. they are, because that's what these assholes are gonna do. Absolutely, and it's like it's just so slimy and shitty, and it and once again, it, you're you're seeing the worst of people, but then you see the best in people when Riley and Charlie kind of even though uh it was kind of hinted at before that you're not allowed to bring your guns back into the city if you're a runner uh that they were sneaking guns back in and then they opened fired in order to to help this woman 
and save her from the fight pit and all that, which ultimately gets all of them arrested. Um, and I'm, and it's a cameo by one of my favorite character actors. I'm, I'm a huge Full Moon fan, and Phil Fontecarlo yes. uh, uh, comes in as the the mob boss kind of, of uh, Chihuahua. They call him. I love it. Yeah. Uh, very. It's but so he's funny. a great character actor. Demonic toys, ghoulies. Yeah, uh, he, he, he's great. And he's, again, part of that comedic flair that uh, that I do actually appreciate about this movie. But I had to make a point to like, yeah, he's 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 playing the kind of character that he usually ends up playing. A, usually kind of a, a skeezy kind of character. But I love him for it. Oh, absolutely. And it is such an entertaining character that I, that you're totally right was very short-lived i was kind of like low-key hoping he would either last longer and die later or last long enough to have like some kind of redemption or something because i'm just like who's this little guy in this like purple pimp outfit that's like oh he was pimped out running all this <laughs> it was so over the top and ridiculous and it's so funny because I, I remember seeing this movie Oh, my God. Because the first time I saw this movie, I didn't see it all the way through. I only saw from about this scene up until the zombies break in the Fiddler's Green. So I didn't see the beginning or the end. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a weird my, way to come into it. it. It was so weird. But I remember I was watching some zombie movies with my friends. And uh, we were flipping through on TV. And I think it was on, like, HBO or Showtime or something like that. I mean, back in, like, 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. And uh, we we wa- we caught it right about that time, and we ended up having to do something so we didn't get to finish it. Um, but that character always stood out because I was like, "This is so ridiculous!" But it's like in a movie like this, where it's all everything's being kind of, you know, over exaggerated to what it might actually be. It fits so well. And yes, he just, it does. He plays he plays those type of characters, like you said. I mean. That's the kind of ex- character you expect this actor to play, and he plays it so well. Yeah, and I think, like, the, the, the last movie I've seen him in was Blood Dolls. Uh, and he, again, plays a kind of a similar kind of character. He's oh, Yeah, he's always playing one of those kind of guys. That's just, he, that was, He's great at it, though. He's great he, at it. He is, and he's definitely uh, being typecasted. But you know what? Uh, let him do what he's good at because he is knocking this out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Well, being typecast to me, I've always said, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's mean you're getting work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what? I'd rather get typecast than, like, be constantly shooting for stuff and not getting it. Like, I mean, that's just me personally, but, yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. I love, I love seeing uh, this kind of goofiness in these movies because I think it does add kind of a fun, uh, comedic edge to it without it being too serious taking itself too seriously or becoming mean-spirited in any way yeah it doesn't feel mean-spirited you described that uh the dawn of the dead remake is a kind of mean-spirited i I would say it was borderline that you know but yeah this one's got a little bit more of a comedic edge to it this time around but speaking of mean-spirited i think our next scene we get is finally get our first glimpse glimpse of uh dennis hopper as kaufman i mean good 30 minutes in, but finally. Yes, I, they kind of introduce us to him, and it's, and I believe this is right about the time when um, Cholo goes up and is, like, kind of making that proposition of, like, wanting to live there and being done 
quit, you know, kind of doing the dirty work and being like, hey, you know, I have the money. I want to be here. And he kind of gets shot down. And Dennis Hopper uh, orders him. He's like, oh, I don't need him anymore. Kind of. Yeah. And, and then he's just going to have him bumped off by security. And you can tell, like, when he when Cholo is first going to Kaufman, uh, Dennis Hopper's character, mm-hmm. instantly. He he's he just looks at him. He almost looks at him with a small amount of pity, like, "Oh, you actually thought we were gonna let you in?" Like, yeah. "Oh, like I'm sorry. No, that's never gonna happen. You piece of shit." <laughs> you know, like for I real. Felt sorry it's- for you for a second, and then oh, my inhumanity, you know, kicked in. I did see an interview that was on uh, YouTube with Dennis Hopper where he says that he based his character. And his mannerisms and whatnot off of Donald uh, Donald Rumsfeld. And I, I I could say what an interesting choice <laughs> to, to to make. You know, amazing. When I think of, when I think of uh, you know <laughs> ultra villains, Rumsfeld is probably a name that would come to mind. I think. No, I totally agree. And and now that you've said that, I'm like, okay, I can definitely see that. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. And, and, and again, I mean, it, it seems to uh, that uh, that works really well and uh, worked really well for his character, because I'm telling you, it, that was like the moment when I was watching this and I was like, oh, my God, it's almost like these people are given this false sense of security of like, oh, hey, you know, if you do this, you make the money, you can be here. But the second you do, they're just like, oh, that's cute. You thought you actually were going to get there because it's almost like. The people up top know that everyone who does the dirty work of going out and gathering supplies and running, they're going to die at some point. They're going to get killed. They're going to slip up. Something's going to go wrong. Yeah, and sooner they, or la- later in the lotto of life, you know, they're going to come up snake eyes. Exactly. And and I feel like, you know, Cholo was like the first guy to really fend for himself and be like, fuck everyone else. I'm going to get the money and I'm going to do this. And then when he did finally, and he was actually able to get up there, Dennis Hopper, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Kaufman character is just like, oh, that's cute. No, you don't get to be up here with us. And and rightfully so. Because and there's no like, I don't, at least I don't remember there being a definitive time frame of which how long Cholo had been doing this or how long he'd been saving up money. But it's like, oh, there was. There was. was there? Uh, he says at one point, and he's like, "How long?" He's like, "Have I been cleaning up your dirty, you know, your dirty laundry and getting rid of your garbage?" Which the garbage was dead bodies that he yeah. wanted gotten rid of. I think, unless I'm mistaken, he says he had been doing it for three years. I mean, and and that's like to most that, people, I think three years not a big deal. But it's like, have you ever worked three years at a job you absolutely fucking hated? Because I I've worked, you know. Months yeah. <laughs> to, to like a year or two at a job I've absolutely hated it. I'm telling you, three years at a job you hate, I can't even fucking imagine doing something where you're risking your life every single day for like little to no pay with maybe an inkling of a promise of a better life just to have that rubbed in your face and told, oh, no, you don't get this. You were never going to get this and you never can. Ha-. And it's like, I could not imagine the hurt and the pain and the frustration and the anger that Cholo would have been feeling at that point. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, not even just that, but 
but compounded with the fact, like he says, you know, I've been getting rid of these dead people, some of which were my friends, you oh, know, yeah. doing really dirty work, you know, so it's like, not even just a job you hate, it's like doing a job that every ounce of your being is just like saying, no, you can't do this, you shouldn't do this, but I'm doing it to create a better life for myself. And then it's just like, no, you're just never going to get it. And then it's, and, and then to immediately after within what seconds of like, okay, I'm done with you. Not only are you never going to get this life, but you know, you, you don't have a job working for me anymore. So, you know, good luck trying to feed yourself and all, yeah. and, and, and for all your good, good, hard work, we're going to try to kill you. Yeah. And it's just like, holy shit. And I think, what an opening scene for not only the Kaufman character, but just like to really set the stage of how much of a piece of shit he is. And it's like, it's, it's very easy early on for people to watch this and probably think Cholo's going to be the big bad of the movie, but it's like, they're like, Oh, you thought he was the bad guy. No, this guy's like 10 times worse. So here's your real bad guy. And it's just like, Holy shit. Uh, wow. We're just gonna, just try and kill this guy who's just trying to do better for himself okay that's cool and it's just, <laughs> right. uh, holy cow and you know and that's when he kind of decides all right well we're gonna get back and here's how we're gonna do it uh, and I, I feel like at this point they kind of um they do i i think uh, personally i think they do a real good job of jumping between this these interesting stories kind of between you know riley what he's going on the cholo versus kaufman story and the zombies preparing their raid on uh, the city and Fiddler's Green. And um, I think it's kind of at this point where they really show how the zombies are adapting and they're learning and they kind of um, start making their way towards the city because it's around this time, I believe, when uh, the Big Daddy shows the Butcher character, hey, whack through this wall, and they see kind of the other zombies strung up. Yeah, but for target see, practice. Yeah, they see the uh, the city in the background, but they realize, oh my god, they're using us for target practice too. Are you kidding me? And, right. Um, yeah, it's it, it's really interesting to well, see. Well, every them. step of the way with Big Daddy, he gets more and more enraged. Oh. And yeah. my problem, my that's the thing I like about Big Daddy. He takes everything in and he learns from it, like showing the butcher zombie zombie to, hey, you know, hack through this wall with your meat cleaver. You know, we're going to, like, when they get to the rivers, you know, the, the city itself is protected on two sides by rivers. And he's like, hey, he's like, you know, he's the first one to take the leap into the river and, and show them, like, hey, we don't have to be afraid of water. We don't have to swim. We just have to walk on the the we can walk through the water we don't we necessarily can, have the swamp yeah and, it, and, I, and, I and we're walkers that. right i mean that's what we do but the the thing like uh, that i don't like about big daddy every reaction he has to to it is just to yell and just kind of <laughs> scream out and after about the third time i was just like they could have taught or he could have voted somehow in such a way where everything wasn't just a Rah! Like yeah, okay, yeah, you've kinda, done that. He's a one-trick pony with the with the yelling and the. And the <laughs> and it's like okay, we get it. You're mad. Uh, That's why I kept. I'm rooting for Bob. Much. I'm rooting for Land of the Dead 2.0, where uh, they just deep fake Bob over Big Daddy. <laughs> I that's the movie I want. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's. But this is the movie we got, you know. Yeah, and you know what? I'll I'll take it. Like I can yep. kind of look past it. It is frustrating and it is kind of cringy at times. How 
it because like when when he give when he takes away the baseball bat from uh, the zombie dubbed number nine, and then gives her the machine gun and then helps her aim it. I'm just like, come on, that's that's a little bit too much, I think. But it, it, at the same time, again, if zombies live long enough without getting killed and start to see how people are reacting and using and doing things, it's like eventually they're going to catch on because they are still human to an extent. Um, so it's like seeing the things like him leading the other zombies, like him taking that first plunge into the river, teaching yeah. them like, hey, break through this wall. It's it's cool because it's like he's leading this revolution against the people that's killing his people. Meanwhile, you have Cholo and some of these other people inside the city wanting to lead a revolution against Kaufman. And it's kind of like Cholo's actions almost allow for the zombie raid to happen. It's kind of one of those. Well, um, yeah, definitely type things. And, and I look back, it's again, just cause it's my favorite movie ever, but the lost world Jurassic park had Nick Van Owen not taken the bullets out of the elephant gun that was used to take down the bull T-Rex, um, it, it never would have been tranquilized and it never would have been taken to San Diego. So it's like, if you think about it, Nick Van Owen is directly responsible. Yeah, you got a good point there. I never for, thought about that. All that stuff happening because it's like, dude, had you just let that T-Rex get killed, it never would have been taken to San Diego. But because it had to be tranquilized, they're like, hey, I got an idea. And then it leads to so much more destruction. Well, it's like in this, because of all of the goofiness with the, the vehicle being taken, you know, the the soldiers being uh, moved and taken to a different spot and them not watching, them getting killed. I mean, right. it's like all, all of his actions indirectly lead to the zombie raid being more possible because they're so focused on oh my god, I gotta send this money, and then him being like, well, I got this, and you need to send me money. Uh, right, yeah. You know, I got Dead here. Reckoning, and I'm gonna, you know, he literally threatens to blow them out of this, you know, out of their penthouse skyscraper. Oh, absolutely. And, and you when, know, and then, but then you have Riley over there who locks it to where it can't happen, and it's like, well, yeah. shit, now our defenses are down while the zombies are attacking, and it's just, it, it's definitely just a whole, like, snowball effect with all of this stuff happening. Yeah, um, yeah. And the, it was real interesting to watch it all unfold. Well, and then you know you got also got the the ongoing thing of of Riley being that that opposite end of the mirror, you know, from Cholo. You know, he gets the opportunity from from Kaufman. He's like, yeah, I'm going to send you after Cholo. Can you get Dead Reckoning back by midnight so we don't get blown out of the sky? Because this thing is yeah. equipped to the hilt with you know weaponry that'll blow us to smithereens. And he's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, I'll do it. He's like, uh, as long as I can take my friends with me. And he's like, take them. He's like, I don't give, because you know he doesn't give a shit about any of them, whether they die in a prison cell or die getting dead reckoning back, he doesn't care. But yeah. that also shows you that, again, that Riley is that other end of the spectrum from Cholo, who is worried about himself and what he's owed. He's, you know, Riley is still, as much as I don't like Simon Baker as an actor, I like the character. I like his arc of, like, always being, you know, taking care of others. He even says at one point, he's like, nothing bad's ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. He's like, bad things have happened to people that I care about, but nothing has happened to me that happened to them. So it's that ongoing Oh, yeah, when he talks about his brother, because he he brings up uh, to Slack at one point, he's like, oh, 
yeah, my brother was uh, bitten by a zombie or had to be shot because he was turning or whatever. And, um, and you know, Slack's like, oh, but I thought you said nothing bad ever happened to me. And, and, and that's what he said. That, that didn't happen to me. That's something bad that happened to my brother. And it was like, okay, yeah, you know, and it's like, they, they just do such a good job of setting him up as for being such a good hero. But I just, he, I just, and I can't agree with you more that I just feel like he does not reach that full potential of being a very hero like character. Cause I feel like all the dead films definitely do have very heroic characters. And this one definitely does, but it's like, all the people you expect to be heroic aren't really right. The heroic people. It's always kind of like the sideline characters, like your Charlie and your Slack. Yeah, Charlie and Slack my, my are, are my two favorites. favorites. Yeah, yeah, Charlie oh, yeah. and Slack are my two favorites. I, I I love Slack. She's got attitude for days, and Robert Joy is just as, as Charlie is just magnificent. I just reviewed another movie with him where he plays a completely different character, uh, Amityville 3D. He popped up in the last two movies I, I reviewed. He's such a chameleon of an actor. He he's always oh. plays kind of a creepy type guy, but like you know, it's always just him and Steve Buscemi. I want a movie with those two together. I really oh, do. I God. want a movie with those two guys as like a protagonist and an antagonist. But maybe we'll get it. They're both still living. We could, it could, it could happen. But yeah, my favorite well, two characters. Let's write a movie for both of them to be in. And, All right, uh, we'll do it. Be like, hey, we got a movie for you guys, just because it's something we want to see. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll be, you know, maybe they'll have an off day. They'll be like, yeah, maybe we can do it. You know, yeah, we're we're you know, weirder things have happened. Oh, absolutely, but. They get there right after that zombie attack, and that's where we get our first real good look at some of the the gore of this movie. Uh, real, real solid gore. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than just you know your your general zombie headshots, this is kind of like when things first really start to get crazy. Because this yeah. scene, this movie's got a couple of great scenes. You know, they're they're just massacres. They're just oh. carnage for like five straight minutes <laughs> and and I, I love I it i love it oh yeah the, and this the is one to me that i told you about before this before we even got into is that i i made specific note of is when they go inside the uh the compound and they're looking around and they see that the zombies are like eating all the soldiers and they get their pistols out just to start taking headshots there was one specific zombie that had a guy bent over a i don't know if it was like a crate but the zombie was elbow deep in this guy's throat. Yes. And pulling like viscera out the dude's throat through the mouth. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I, for some reason, always forget that that scene is in there. But that is so horrific to look at. Because you're like, holy shit. That yeah, when he, when he goes on, they, down that guy's throat. Yeah, it, he's elbowed. Yeah, completely elbow deep. And when he pulls his arm out, it, it doesn't look like a fake mannequin head. It looks pretty legit it, it, that, that looks so realistic and it and all the viscera that comes out and the blood just starts pouring and i was just like oh my god that is nasty and it's just and then we also get the, uh, the the zombie that's got a guy laying face down a soldier laying face down and he's like pulling 
chunks out of his back that looks like like he's pulling pieces of his spinal column out and just yes. like picking the oh, gristle out of it. it's like yeah, yeah it, it makes you makes you ass pucker just a little bit yeah there's some good ones uh you know the kid the kid on the skateboard when he gets bit in the throat the prosthetic oh, skateboard that they had kid. on him fucking it, it skateboard looked like kid. they took like a chunk out of that kid's neck like it wasn't just an average bite that looked like they there was like a void there. I mean, it was. Oh, it was a fist sized chunk. It, it, it was. Huge. It was huge. Uh, yeah, some of the, the the gore in this is really, really, really nasty stuff, and it just it. It's looks a great amazing. mixture of, you know, of utilizing you know uh, physical effects, you know, practical physical effects, and digital. You I know, totally some of agree. the digital stuff hasn't aged. One of them, but again, 2005 CGI, it is what it is. But there's so many. I, I watched the making of this, which I found to be like infinitely more entertaining than the actual movie itself. <laughs> like when there's all the different uh, bonus features that are on the DVD, you know, showing some of the stuff they did with enhancing the practical effects with digital. Oh, yeah. You know, was pretty intricate, you know, and considering that Romero hadn't worked with that kind of stuff. Until this film, you would have thought this was a seasoned, you know, professional. Well, he is a seasoned professional, but, you know, not not in the, you know, the respect of working with digital effects. But he had a great team that worked with him on this. I, I got to at least give credit where credit's due on that one. Oh, absolutely. And, and in this movie, um, I, again, I just I can't say it enough. The, the effects are incredible. You know, you have K&B in there doing what they do best with with these special effects. What I what I really enjoyed about that was seeing all the scenes that I didn't realize were digital. Like I didn't I didn't realize that like the subway when they're emerging from the subway that that was all green screen. I was like, it looks like they're just on a back lot for this, but it was all digital. I'm like, wow, that looks really good. Or yeah, a lot of the locations that every almost everything was enhanced with uh, green screen at at, at some was. point. And, and I think. The one that impressed me the most, because I definitely couldn't tell it was digital until the zombies were hanging there. But when the zombies are peering through the uh, through the uh, hole in the like wooden wall uh, after the butcher zombie hit the hole through, I I thought that they had just a wall up on location. But like, no, that was a green screen. I was like, holy shit! They you're telling me they didn't just like have a set dresser just put up a wall or they didn't just film? No. Yeah, that was, was like, all that green was screen. That look and it looks so good, and all the digital stuff with that looks good. Some of the digital stuff done with the kills look a little goofy. Uh, the one that I put specifically was uh, the CGI priest zombie with the head hanging by uh, the viscera. Uh, the way he like flings his head over to bite the one soldier. Yeah, like when it almost springs from behind him, the bite. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that looks so bad. And that's like the one special effect that I'm like, I understand why they had to do that digitally, because that would have been very hard to achieve practically. But like, it, it looked very cartoony, and it kind of took me out of that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same. <laughs> yeah, it's one that stands out as being not so great. I'm, it was a cool idea, though, and it was fun because it's like, again, I've not seen anything like that in a zombie movie before with, like, a detached head like that being uh, flung over 
and used as like I I don't even know like just a throw. It's like one of those like things you get in like the the coin uh, machines. You put the quarters in and they shoot out the little thing and you get a prize. Oh uh, yes, one of the one of the sticky hands. That you, like, oh yes, yes, it, it yeah. like it's like a sticky hand, but it's like a biting zombie head. It flings <laughs> over and bites the guy, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Uh, but it, it was a fun idea, and I'm not gonna bash. I may it, or may not have laughed straight from the belly out loud in the theater when I saw that. I I cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> I, I would not blame you if you did, because that was pretty entertaining. But, but there's something that's even more ridiculous than that. It's not an effect. It's one single shot. Now this is where I got I gotta say that somebody needed to, to go over this movie with a fine tooth comb before they put it out because there was literally a shot where uh, Kaufman says the line "zombies they freak me out, man." Yes. While whilst picking his nose. Yes. He's picking his nose in the scene. He's picking and and like flicks the booger away, like. Okay, what, what the, like, really? Not, not, not for that kind of character. I mean, uh, I, I, I like, they, they didn't have a better take. So I'm like, I can understand if he randomly had a niche in his nose and he kind of scratches and picks or something, but that's the take they left in? That's the best one they had? That is the most horrifying thing to see up on a big screen TV is, like, your main villain picking his nose. It, I, I am at a loss for words that that ended up in the final print. I, I'm pretty entertained by that, and I'm entertained for, like, multiple reasons. Because, like, one, um, I have my nose pierced. I've had my nose pierced since Christmas, so we're going on, like, eight months with this thing now. And ever since I've gotten my nose pierced, I've noticed my nose is significantly more, like, irritated and itchy because it's, like, there's constantly something there that, like, tickles it. And so it's, like, I'm constantly, like, like getting an itch, like, right on the edge of my nose or, like, and so it's like, I'm always like, oh my God, people are looking at me for picking my nose. And I'm just like, I, I feel ridiculous. And I, and when I was watching this, and I was, I was just like, kind of said to myself, I was like, do I look this ridiculous when I'm like messing with my nose? <laughs> and it, because it is so ridiculous the way he's like fucking with his nose in that scene. I'm like, what is he doing? But then when he says that line of like zombies, they freak me out, man. I'm just like, you're grossed out by zombies. Meanwhile, you are literally like, three knuckles deep in your skull <laughs> like fucking with your nose taking for nose pearls it, you know like, and like, i think it's meant to be like a comedic thing like oh zombies they freak me out but i'm picking my nose and i i don't know what they were going for with that ultimately but it is extremely hilarious to me and i i again i love that line because i'm pretty sure that line was in the trailer for the movie but right. like that just that seems like such a weird thing to have in there uh and yeah i that was very entertaining to me but yeah the, that's the most horrifying thing about this movie that's in my opinion that you know not the zombies not the carnage and not the gut munching no dennis hopper on screen picking his nose like he said three knuckles deep but <laughs> I, I want a, I want a t-shirt with uh dennis hopper picking his nose on it that's that that's how iconic this is to me um it's it's horrific <laughs> But, Maybe but yeah, Fright Rags will put that out next, right? You know what? I'm going to send them an email right now and be like, listen, I have an award-winning t-shirt idea for you guys. Uh, they make <laughs> the shirt, it sells three copies, and they sue me. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, Maybe we just shouldn't say we did, right? Yeah, but I'll just I'll just start a rumor that I that I told them to make this shirt. 
Right, right. Um, yes. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the one bit of interesting trivia about this movie is that it used the bits that were excised from the original uh, Dawn of the Dead, not Dawn of the Dead, sorry, The Day of the Dead script, which I actually oh. have a hard copy of. It was an almost 300-page script. I found a hard copy of it, like, in paper form <laughs> oh, wow. at a convention many, many years ago, like, like in the 90s. I found it like it was the 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 big budget version, and it was a there's a lot of elements of this movie that uh, that are are were in that that script, and I got it from uh, a guy that was that had his table right next to Savini. So then I like I plopped it down on Savini's table. I had him signed and started to ask him about it, and he's like, "Ah, you don't really know. It's something you got to ask George about," which I regret never getting a chance to. But man, it. It, it it was it was neat to see some of these ideas, the bigger ideas. If they had just had the money and the and you know the studio was willing to put the money behind George back in the day, like when he was shooting Day of the Dead to make this happen, I think I feel like it would have you know would have been a much better movie. I totally agree, and you know I I, got, I was kind of doing some research because I know Land of the Dead had the biggest budget of any of of the Dead films. Um. Upon inspection, this had a budget of like fifteen million or something aroundabouts. Wow, fifteen um, million only? Really? Fifteen million. Well, and here's what's really going to blow your mind: uh, Diary of the Dead. The estimated budget was around two million. Uh, the estimated budget for Survival of the Dead was around between three and five, and then Day of the Dead was between three and five million. And then Dawn of the Dead was less than a million. So I'm just like looking at these movies and I'm like, holy shit. Because it's like, there's also never been a huge studio back any of his Of the Dead films. They've all been, in technicality, independent films. Not like our level of indie films where you've got like... Yeah, more like the indie, indie studios. Yes, indie studios. They were never big studios. They had studios backing them, but they were like independent studios like your a24 or whatever does today but it's like they he's never had like a huge like universal helping him make this so it's like this movie was unlike anything else so he actually had the opportunity to go fully bowls out with it and i'm like man what would these other movies have been had he had that kind of backing with these projects and what blows my mind is it looks like land of the dead made it's money back and, and then some. So I don't understand why he never had a big studio backing him from that point on, because after this, he had Dimension Extreme do Diary of the Dead, which was, to my knowledge, straight to DVD. Like most Yeah, of it, it, it was, it, it had a very limited, very limited theatrical release, because I caught it at a midnight screening at a theater, but I don't gotcha. believe it ever got any kind of wide release at all. Yeah, and, and then Survival of the Dead, uh, which we don't talk about that movie. Oh, God. I remember being so excited for that, and then when I saw it, I was like, Jesus, this is bad. Horses, are you kidding me? Uh, right. Uh. I, I just wish George would have had more opportunity for some of these big studio movies, because it's like he is just, he showed so much potential even beyond his zombie stuff to make really incredible movies. And, you know, people don't talk about it enough. I thought Bruiser was awesome. Uh, Bruiser is a great movie. I, I love I Bruiser. Love the Dark Half. Dark Half is literally my favorite uh, Romero movie of all time. 
I think absolute favorite. So good, and even uh, the one he did with Argento, the Two Evil Eyes. Uh, the Two Evil Eyes is not bad. It's, it's not, not bad. Not bad at all. But it's like he he's shown so much range with some of the stuff he can do, and I'm just like, man, why did he? Even not? Monkey Shines. Monkey yeah. Shines is a su- superb film that nobody like. Ever we reviewed it here. A, yeah, we reviewed it here a couple of months ago when we did, you know, George Romero month. And it's like, everybody shits on that movie. I'm like, I feel like, did you people really watch it? Did you really watch it? Because it's fucking superb. Well, I feel like sometimes, you know, you didn't mention a friend watched or watched, listened to our show about um, uh, Predator 2 and how he always hated that movie. But upon listening to us talk about oh, yes. watching, he was like, oh, dude. You know, I, I really liked it that watch through. And I think sometimes people see something once, decide they hate it, and then they shit on it forever without ever giving it a second chance. Um, and I say this because I, I myself am guilty of that sometimes. Well, I was guilty but, of that with, with this movie. I, I hadn't watched it in well, like, well over a decade. And, you know... I, I I owed it to if anybody not to myself at least to George you know if I call myself a fan I'm like I gotta give it another chance just sure. had to and you know I just I, I I feel like people just don't do that but I just wish George would have had more than just this opportunity to play with you know tens of millions of dollars to get a movie made because the the scale of this movie it, as a zombie movie is really awesome because. I, and I know we're getting to that part, but like when those zombies are rising out of the water. And, oh, oh my one God. One of the most so, iconic scenes in his dead movies at all. Like, absolutely. It is epic beyond proportions. It's like when you watch Dawn of the Dead and you see the zombies walking towards them all, like it's big. When you watch Day of the Dead and you see all those zombies walking on that strip and uh, where they film at like Fort Myers or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the see all those seats. zombies walking towards him, and you hear them over the helicopter. Iconic and terrifying. And when they're all like coming down on the the lift. Oh yeah, my my favorite like, part of the movie. Oh, dude, just their reaction like, oh, to that. Yeah, when they see all so the like zombies. <laughs> but then when you see this, and you see them coming out of the water, and then they show those sweeping aerial shots of all these zombies in the city, you're like, oh my god. There are so many fucking zombies and it's just, and you realize how big of a deal it is. It, it's legitimately terrifying because it, it seems so hopeless because they've walled themselves in this city to protect themselves from the zombie. And then the exact thing that was meant to protect them is going to become their tomb. They're, they're right. all going to die in there. And yeah, it, it makes the tomb and they trap. They're they're fucking trapped. <laughs> there's no way, no way, no way in means also no way out. Absolutely, and it's just kind of a such an interesting uh, scenario because it's like it, it, it's almost like they were not. They never thought that something like this was possible. So it's like by the time it comes, when those people are like trying to escape and there's the electric fences, I'm like, did someone seriously not think? To make some kind of contingency plan in the event, <laughs> right? That, that shit goes sideways. Like going to happen because hey, uh, if we learned anything from Jurassic Park, it's that if something can go wrong, it fucking will. Because life uh, finds a way. Life uh, finds <laughs> a way, and uh, in this case, death death found a way. And yeah, yeah. In this case, into that city. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, an amazing thing, and, and I never get. I never, 
I will never not get excited seeing those zombies come up out of the water in that scene. Just the first shot of Big Daddy just poking his head out and then all the him rising and then the zombies and they're just like multiplying and it just seems like there's a never ending sea of zombies. And it's just Oh yeah, because oh, there pretty man. much is. There's hundreds, if not thousands of them. You know, and this is long before the you know, a good five to ten years before they did stuff like that, you know, on the regular in shows like The Walking Dead, you know. It was oh, yeah. Well, because I remember watching The Walking Dead for the first time, the first episode, when Rick Grimes turns that corner in the city and there's just that street filled with zombies. And I was like, oh, my fucking God, there's so many of them. Yeah. And and I feel like movies like that, uh, movies like Zombieland, uh, the first Zombieland at the theme park. uh, Oh, yes. I mean, it, it, it seems like from Land of the Dead on... Well, even, I would say, the Dawn of the Dead remake, because even when they're uh, in the vehicle throwing the propane tanks and blowing up zombies when they're leaving the mall, uh, movies from, like, this point on with zombies just created such a... um, What's the right word here? They created such a standard for having giant masses of zombies and going bigger and better and more and more. And it... And, like, even up to this point, uh, seeing a movie like Zombieland 2, towards the end with the the T-800 zombies, oh, my God, when they're, like, uh, coming at the the Babylon building and there's, like, thousands of these things and it's just, like, oh, my God, it's just never-ending. And it's, like, you know, zombie movies in the 80s, they never went to that degree. I mean, like, Day of the Dead came close, but it's, like, it yeah, about always, as close as we had ever seen, probably, up until yeah, that point. Yeah, and it's like, there was always lots of zombies, but you never got that feeling of true hopelessness and being truly outnumbered until you started seeing movies like this, where they can show the scale and show that it's like, no, we're seriously outnumbered here. And it's um, it, it was, it's just amazing to see it. And this kind of takes us into our... I feel like that whole point kind of fires off the third act with the zombies uh, taking on the city and, uh, you know, the, um, you know, Dennis Hopper trying to escape and everything kind of coming unglued at this point. And this is the point where, where, I mean, like things really take off, but that's traditionally how things go in movies like these in the third act. When uh, he said, when Kaufman sends Riley and his team to go off, of course, he sends a couple of his own goons with him. This is the introduction of like, I think, my third favorite character in this movie, besides Charlie and Slack, which is Pillsbury. I love him. I love the, 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 the Samoan guy. Yeah, he is just great. And when he's t- just having the conversation about stolen cars and how he could hotwire the car faster, he's like 50,000 oh cars God. a year hotwired in Samoa. Well, in Detroit, there's a million. He's like, yeah, 10 million people in Detroit. And he's like, in, in Samoa, or 50,000 cars, 50,000 stolen. You know, just all, all the cars in Samoa are stolen. <laughs> right. I, I, I just, forgot that his banter was so good, even up to like when he's like, hey, we got stuff to do. Why are we staying around? Let's do stuff, you know, and it's just let's do stuff. I'm right. Like, right. Why was this guy not introduced right in the beginning? Because th- this is the kind of person I have wanted in this whole movie. Right. Right. And, and, and again, so underutilized. It shows, it shows that individualism of these characters and how incredibly interesting some of them are as compared to our main character. Cause I'm like, Oh <laughs> right. my God, this guy is great. He, I mean, all three of, uh, of Hopper's people are so good. And 
you know, that, that introduction. Well, I love it when Pillsbury knocks out Motown, when they have that moment where they, they leave Charlie and Slack with guns on them because they, yes. you know, they know they're not to be trusted. And Pillsbury is just like, yeah, I'm working with you guys now. Yeah, I'm not yes. working for coffee. And he, you know, he doesn't say it, but all he has to do is knock him out. And he's like, go with your friend. You're good here. <laughs> yeah. It's so good, and I, uh, I, I really enjoyed his addition. As, as long as the other two characters, Scoot, the guy dresses like the Matador, and uh, like I mean, it's it, it's super goofy, but it but it's it's goofy enough to be like believable and fun and keep it interesting. Um, I, Again, I love it's keeping Joel up. Stoltz. It's keeping up with that tone of making each character very individual, and you know, I very totally very u- unique and not just. You know, not just cookie cutter. I, I, I will. That's another thing that I will give this movie a little bit of credit for. But like, yeah, but this is when shit takes off. I mean, yeah. listen, Cholo gets shot. He he runs off. So now he no longer even has Dead Reckoning. It's just him and Foxy. Mm-hmm. And then Riley and his team are heading back with Dead Reckoning to get back to the city while the zombies are attacking. Because, you know, he has that, that bit of conversation with Dennis Hopper when he's like, yeah, I got him. Everything's good. But shit's blowing up. And he's like, you didn't. He's taken, you know, he's blown up the city. He's like, no, that's not Cholo. That's the zombies I was trying to warn you about that are starting to think for themselves. Because, you know, of course, nobody listened to him. Yeah, and and but, it's uh, you know, the zombies are taking over, and in so again, some of the effects in, in all this are great. Uh, like I said, some of the city scenes of the zombies taking over and the soldiers trying to protect everyone. It it reminds me of some of the cinematics from the old school Resident Evil games when you play like two and three. Uh, oh like, yeah, Nemesis, so, my favorite one. Oh yeah, you know, so we'll we'll just take Nemesis for example. The opening scene of Nemesis. The way they film in, well, they film because it was like all animated, but the way um, it was presented with those animated shots of the zombies taking over and, and you know, obviously uh, the city being overrun and the people being overrun with zombies, it, it felt like I was seeing this in, in, in real life. And I'm just like, again, I'm watching them. So I'm like, this is why Romero should have been allowed to make that movie because, oh my God, that's just how a lot of these scenes felt. Uh, yeah, and it just it, it was just so much fun seeing what what he was doing with that and the way the zombies were, you know, ki- killing these people and like grabbing tools and in and, and the moment when all the others start grabbing like wrenches and pipes and, you know, Big Daddy gets the jackhammer and I'm just like, oh, my God, they're coming to tear this place down. And it's just yeah, like, literally. Literally, quite literally. Like, literally to tear it down wall by wall until they get to the that nice, till they get to that nice juicy center, so to speak. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> and it's like... This is also they, where we get our Tom Savini cameo in the yes, middle of all this carnage is, uh, they couldn't call them Blades because, you know, copyright issues in those different movies, but so they just call him the Machete Zombie, which I'm fine with because we all know who he was supposed to be. Oh, yeah. And that, that's what truly matters, and I'm glad he was able to be there. You see the shadow, and, you know, uh, the camera pulls up, and then it's like, oh, boom, it's, you know, the blade zombie. And, I'm like, and he's still got his machete. And still he, got and his fucking just machete. whacking away, and he looks waterlogged, because, uh, like Tom Savini said uh, when I saw him last, he was like, you know, he's, uh, 
I, you know, I, I died in a fountain, so they, they had me all waterlogged looking. Uh, and I, I came back for my revenge, and I still had my trusty machete. And I'm just like, it's it's so fun to see those callbacks to those old movies. And it would have been cool to see, like, you know, the Dr. Tongue from Day of the Dead or, you know, or whatever. Right, right. See some of these other Again, or Light Bub. You oh, know, yes, or... my God, bring Bub back. Uh, I would, would love it. But it's um, it was just cool seeing that and having him back and, and letting him kind of have that moment. And just, it, it was really setting the stage, like I said, for the scale and just, got, my God, the carnage in this movie is just unreal. I, I wrote down in my notes, I mean, crazy amounts of gore because once they do get into... Um, Fiddler's Green, and they start ripping through people. I mean, the zombie that rips the the uh, the belly button piercing off that girl's stomach, and you know the way they filmed up through the glass floor with the blood pooling and splattering, and it was just right, like, right. Or the oh. the first like a uh, soldier that's playing cards, getting his head ripped off, is just so yep. long, so oh. slimy and goopy. There's the 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 guy who gets his face peeled off. Like yes. the skin of his face gets like. Yeah, I think that's off. cut out like, of the of the R-rated cut, but I watched the director's oh, cut finally. Yes, I I know which part you're talking. That was nasty because I remember being a kid and watching that and like being so new to special effects and so new to like wanting to do that and watching that being, like, how the hell did they do that? That looks so awesome, and now like doing what I do, I watch it. I'm like, man, I want to do that. <laughs> like, because want to pull I, somebody's face off. Yeah, it's like it's like I like that's something that's feasible. I could do that now, and I was just like, and then now I'm just like, well, I need an excuse to do this. See, and, like, uh, now you know the magic. The ma- you know the magic of how they did that. You don't have exactly. to ask anymore. And and it makes it e- like ten times more entertaining to watch because I'm just like, oh, I know how much work went into that, and it turns out so beautiful. And uh, yeah, I just I love seeing some of these crazy effects and just how fun it is and. My God, watching all those rich people running around panicking and screaming as the zombies are breaking through the glass, and I'm just like... Yeah, I was rooting for the zombies at that point. I was just I, like, yeah, I was too. go for it, get them. <laughs> go get them, because it's like, they've been walled up in the sanctuary thinking nothing was going to hurt them, nothing was going to make it through, and then it's like... Now, the people in, in the slums, the people in the slums are living out in the streets, I felt for them. But like, oh, yeah. the rich folk, eh, not so much, nah, you know, just... I was I was eating all my popcorn, just like, yep, that this is this is how it goes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, sucks to suck, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it gets sucks to, to suck. <laughs> well, you know. I love it. it. Sucks, I love it. Uh, it gets to the part where you know you have the people, and this is a little bit later on, but like the the slum people when they're like like I mentioned before when they're right up against the the electric fence and they have no way out, and it's like the zombies have them closed in and when they come around and they see that the zombies got to all of them, I'm like, God, they literally had no chance. And it was, it was really sad to see that. And when you see the people who had themselves walled up and were treating the people in the Psalms like garbage, get, get their, uh, you know, meet their demise. It's kind of like, yeah, whatever. But it's like people in the slums legitimately, they, they did not stand a chance. And it was really sad to see them. Right, right. As much as I love seeing the effects, it's kind of like, man, that sucks. Yeah, but, you're not rooting for. We're not rooting for the zombies at that point. You're just like, okay, when we get through this, get through this. Okay. Oh, now they're eating the rich people. Let's just. Uh, yes, let's I think this is about just, the, just a moment. 
Yeah. And Cholo's done been bitten at this point, right? In the, yes. the course of yeah, things, Cholo, he's been bitten. Right, right after he gets shot, him and Foxy run off. And he gets bit pretty randomly soon after. He gets uh, bit on the hand while taking a shot with his crossbow at another zombie. I believe so, yes. And okay. he gets bit by the, like, stringy-haired, withered zombie. And, uh, and, and pretty soon after is when he makes that comment. Because... Uh, it's like his, Foxy's like, oh, you know, offering to take him out. He's like, no, nah, uh, I've always wanted to see how the other half lives. And when he said that, my first time watching, I'm like, what does he mean? And and upon this time watching, I'm like, man, he was just like, no, nah, let's go ahead and be a zombie. Because I'll be honest, if I got bit by a zombie, I don't know if I would have the balls to shoot myself. I, yeah. I really, I don't think I could do it. I mean, I would probably be able to let somebody else do it for me, but I don't know that I could do it myself. In my sleep, I wouldn't be able to be uh, conscious, like like awake. I I would have to be asleep for that. But uh, but yeah, at this point, he's he's making his way back. Uh, You know, well, Foxy drops him off. Doesn't he? Doesn't he drop him off like at the? He drops that, him that, off at the subway, but he walks the rest of the way. That's right. He walks the rest of the way because he's going into the, the car. Yeah, he's going in that tunnel that goes underneath the the river. Yes, I think, or, or, uh, which is still super cool. I I love that tunnel. I love the whole idea of that. Um, and, but uh, I, I think we skipped over this, but I do like the one part where uh, Dennis Hopper is getting out of the elevator with his money, and he's like, "What is that?" He's like, "Money." He's like, "Whose is it?" And he's like, "Oh wait, look out!" And then he pops his 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 you know his uh yes council member in the head just enough time to get the news he's like yeah yeah we got dead reckoning and he's like huh i just done something that i might not have done otherwise like he had that moment of like ah damn well i guess i didn't need to waste that bullet and that's the one bullet that he could have used to save himself at one point but if you think about it because yeah he does uh, the fact that like i love that he's escaping with his butler he let this butler have the, you know, he's got a car in an underground garage where they're going to drive to. I mean, he, I mean, he, he keeps talking about a boat that we never see that's supposed to be waiting them for them to take them somewhere. But I love the fact that his butler, when he opens up the uh, the hatch to drive the car out, just leaves his ass there. And he's like, where are you going? You got the fucking keys, you know? <laughs> that that's the humor, and, and, again. So fucking hard because it's just like, you, you asshole, where are you going? You have the key. And he's just like, bye. And like, just, and you, we never find out if he lives or dies. And that's my favorite part about it. Because he just disappears. And it's just like, well, he's gone now. And yeah, it's freaking Yeah, he, you never see him even get killed off like randomly or anything. He, he just, once he runs away, he's just gone. And I hope he lived forever past that. Because that was... That was a serious, like, gangster move right there. And it, it's so good because, again, Dennis Hopper coming out of that elevator, sees the zombies coming, and empties his fucking clip and makes, like, one hit on one of the zombies. And I'm like, yeah, I think he wings. ten feet away. How did you miss every Yeah, he wings shot? Big Daddy in the shoulder, and he doesn't get a headshot, a full body shot. He misses center mass every step of the way, the entire clip. Misses and if every you shot. think about it, if someone was able to take out Big Daddy, I feel like the zombies borderline would have been lost without him because it's like he was the one organizing and, and leading all of them to everywhere they went. You know, without him, what were they going to do? Even all the way up to the ending, they were following him wherever they went. Yeah. Like, dude, all you had to it's do is shoot that guy like in the, the face. 
Yeah, that the herd mentality. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like we're following the leader of the, the leader of the pack. Yeah, again. Yep, but just a you know, if, if one stray bullet could have like changed the entire movie. Absolutely, and yeah, uh, you know, we we're we're kind of coming to the end here. Uh, where, yeah, it was the final moments. Uh, where you know he makes his way down there, like you were saying, uh, they make it to the car. Uh, Big Daddy kind of makes his way back down there, but uh, following, and it's almost like Big Daddy has a specific vendetta against um, Kaufman at this point because it gets him trapped. And and I thought it was so hilarious, but again, a little bit. This is kind of one of again one of my complaints. Uh, it was almost like Big Daddy knew that he could fill the car with gasoline and it would blow it up later, um, which I don't really love. But right, right. It seems a bit started, much. Like, it seems it, a bit does, much of a leap. But it, it was fun because Kaufman, again, had that like false sense of security just in time for uh, zombie Cholo to show up. And it's like in my head, it's like, you know, he's a zombie, but I love that they don't really reveal it right away. Yeah. Because and it, it, it almost feels like he's not fully a zombie uh, until the very moment they show. Because when he gets shot those couple times, it, it feels like he's really taking those hits as a human because he's even like shoots his harpoon gun a couple times and tries to reload it and stuff. And I'm like, maybe he's not full zombie yet. But that well, yeah, and then he does it. fall at one point from yeah, getting shot like in the neck the or something. And he drops. And uh, then, then he does end up making his way over. And that reveal is beautiful. The makeup was amazing. The, the, the way the music takes off right there is just like, it's so satisfying. And I'm kind of sad that Cholo didn't get to take him out. But it's like, the way he has him like pinned there, it's almost like Cholo, as a zombie, sacrificed himself to so, keep Kaufman there so that it, the car could blow up and and kill both of them. Well, he was biting into him, you know, before. I mean, he had got him. He was, if anything, he was going to turn. He was, you know, Cholo was biting into him. But uh, I love that reveal. All of a sudden, you just see that propane tank rolling down on fire. And you're just like, (laughs) once again, Big Daddy for the assist. Big Daddy, I'm telling you, it's like, I I love and hate the character all at the same time. Just because it's cringy how too humanoid he is. But at the same point, it's so much fun because it's borderline comedic with his like dramatic timing of showing up with this stuff. And I just I, I, I just I love it. I really do. It's, it's like they, you know, they were working together, but didn't even realize it at the time. It's just like they both absolutely. had a, co- a common ground. <laughs> Killed absolutely. fucking Kaufman. <laughs> and that explosion's great. The money burning and falling down because it just at the end of the day, they're both fighting over money what does money mean in a zombie apocalypse what does money mean in this right time? It, it's a line it i wrote down i wrote down i go in the end as always it's always about some bitch ass money yeah and it doesn't make sense to me it's like okay w- what are you going to spend it on We're, society's not going to rebuild itself after that is merely survival at this point when the dead always come back to life i mean if you die and you come back what's going to change about that in the world you know uh, for a positive way for Society's not going to rebuild itself. You're worrying about money. Just worry about food, shelter, protection, and I think it's that's animal, what it is. It's animal instinct at that point. We gotta, we gotta kind of treat it like we're cavemen. You know, it's going to be a bartering system. You know, money isn't going to mean anything until society has somewhat rebuilt and we have ways to make more money. We have ways to, you know, 
spend it and use it. And it's like, it, what good is it going to do? Because society, by the time society gets to the point where we can use money, God, we're going to be long dead by that point anyway. So it's like, why? It's going to be a new society about? and there'll be a new, you know, a new currency anyway. So it doesn't, yeah. you know, what are your dollars worth? They're worth nothing. They're, they're toilet paper. But then we get like that that final moment. There's two things I hate in the ending. It, it really did not stick the landing. One thing, I know Riley has a respect for the dead, and I, I I admired it to a point. But like when Big Daddy is leaving, and they have the shot, and they can take out the rest of the zombies that are leaving the city now that they've destroyed it, and he's like, "Oh, let them go. They're just looking for a place just like us." I'm like, "No, kill no, them." They're 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 gonna be a problem for you again at some point, or for the people you're leaving behind. Right. Like, all you gotta do is shoot that bridge, blow the fuck up. They're gonna fall. They're gonna get crushed. They're gonna blow up. Like, use your machine guns, mow the fuck down. It's like, no, no, don't don't do that shit. What are you, what are you thinking? And it's that that scene does bother me, and I'm like. Okay, I get it. You're recognizing at this point, because like I said, it, it, it is a point brought up many times that the humans and the zombies in this movie aren't incredibly different. But it's like, at, at some point you have to realize, okay, even though we're not different, we had a common goal in this, and now they're... Right. At some point, it's going to be a problem again, so why don't we just like... Yeah, because they still eat the living. You know, as long as yeah, they still eat the living, they're, it's a problem. You are still delectable to them, so maybe kill them. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you are just a tasty, you know, hot pocket to them. <laughs> absolutely, and I'm just like, man, what are you doing? But And, and my last uh, problem, my last problem is like they make it a point to fire off the rest of the, the sky flowers, like fire the rest of those off. We don't need them anymore. Just so that they can have that final shot. I do love the shot of Dead Reckoning heading it, you know, into the horizon. But it's just like, why, why? What was so big about these sky flowers, AKA fireworks, uh, <laughs> that they had to blast off the last of them in the ending? It, it wasn't anything spectacular. It could have just been this simple shot of them driving off into the sunset and it wouldn't have been any lesser for it. I, I agree, and, I, and, I, and I'm, like, sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, is there no scenario ever in which you think you're going to need those again? Like, Yeah, like on zombies that maybe sure haven't evolved yet? Those might come in handy at some point, so maybe don't waste them. That was one good thing about the ending. I like I like the the, the, the three characters that I cared about lived. For once in, in a yes. movie like this, the characters that I liked made it. <laughs> Absolutely, and and you're right. And that that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, yeah, there's. Everything. I mean, they they go off to Canada, and and now that I've watched uh, this again, and I noticed this, I'm actually going to bring it up real quick. Uh, the actor's name is. Um, Alan Van Spring, and he plays one of the soldier guys in here who gets turned into a zombie and then gets killed. He is also in Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead. He's the main character in Survival of the Dead, and he plays the soldier. Oh, that's the that same guy? Yes, the same? he's the soldier. I know who you who mean, plays, yeah. Who, who meets up with the kids in Diary. So Diary of the Dead takes place at the beginning of the outbreak, and he's in it. But then he dies in this movie. So my idea 
for this is that in order for the, the, the new trilogy, it goes diary, survival, land. And I feel like land happens after day. So my theory of how all these movies go in order is that Night of the Living Dead and um, sur- and uh, Diary, Diary of the Dead, yeah. even though they happen at different points of time, are kind of like around the same time frame. But then it goes... Well, com- Romero has confirmed that. He says that basically yeah. that it is just a retelling, you know, of, of taking a place around mm-hmm. the same um, time. Yeah. But then it goes Dawn and Day, and Survival takes place somewhere in there. But then... Um, but then Land of the Dead is the final movie in technicality, just based on that one character dying in there, that that would be the latest story. Because clearly, with the way the zombies are learning and advancing, that would take place after day or close to the events of day. But I believe it's the last one. So I'm curious how it would carry on past Land, because Land kind of just leaves with them going to Canada. And then we don't really know how advancements go beyond that. But it, it would be cool to see a continuation or a resolution to how it all ends. Like, do all the humans die, or do they find hope? Do they find a cure? How does it? How does it end? Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting that that's like the only reoccurring character in, in these films. Um, I know the the uh, Joe Pilato who is in uh, Day of the Dead as Rhodes. I know in an original cut of dawn of the dead he's in dawn for like a split second yeah he plays a uh he plays a police uh a police officer that's there when they're trying to take uh they're trying to gas up and fuel up yeah the helicopter and, yes and he's just, just there for a split second and then he, he leaves and i'm like okay so maybe the same character um and i noticed that the well guy... it's not a stretch of the imagination to think that you know a guy who is a police Officer, police chief would then go on to be in, in the military and become, or, you know, colonel. Or have yeah. been, you know, it's right, it's right. Not at all. Uh, Mike Robert, or sorry, Sean Roberts, who plays Mike, the kid who dies in the convenience store, who also plays Wesker in the Resident Evil movies, was also in uh, Diary of the Dead. Oh, he, yes, he I, was. What he plays? Um, I hadn't watched that in so long. I was just, I wasn't well, even thinking then, about like that. Like I said, I was just watching that right before we started doing this. He plays Tony in Diary of the Dead, uh, which is just super hilarious to me that he had some of these reoccurring characters in these three movies that kind of ties them together a little bit. I don't think those characters are tied together in any way, shape, or form. No, sure. no, I think it's I'm just. Pretty a, sure he dies in both movies. Yeah, yeah, it's unrelated. But, but no, when you have uh, the, that soldier character in all three of these movies, it kind of gives an idea of how that time frame would go. And I would love, I, I wish I, I could have the opportunity to talk to George about it, uh, to be like, you know, was that planned or was that Like something? you said, you know, that when you got a guy like that that's had so many movies, has such an extensive filmography, you could you know, you could literally sit and talk with them all all day and probably not even scratch the surface. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so much to know, and it's like you could know the guy your entire life and be talking to him about this for years and and never learn everything. And, and then be like, Mike, God, I wish I had asked him about this. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> oh, I knew him for thirty years, but yeah, I mean, it's like I have friends. Uh, my best friend, Wes, we, he and I have been friends since we were in, like, second grade. So, like, we've known each other most our lives because we're both turning 27 this year. 
And um, I mean, God, there's things about each other. I'm sure we, we still don't know. Like, and we, we've known each other forever. I mean, and there's things that to this day that I learned about people in my family that I've known my whole life. I'm just like, well, I didn't know you liked that or I didn't know you knew that person or I didn't know you, uh, you went there or like, you know, just goofy stuff that it's like, well, I had no idea, you know? So it's, um, it, it just, that's one of those things looking back, I'm like, man, knowing what I know now, it would have been cool to, to know that. Or maybe there's someone who was involved with these movies or maybe that that particular actor knows. So if I ever got the chance to meet him, maybe that'd be a question to ask. I, I don't know, but it's uh, it's just cool seeing that kind of stuff because I like that shared universe or deep lore type stuff. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, upon rewatching the film, I still personally really like it. Uh, like I said, and I was telling you before we started recording, there were definitely things upon rewatching that I liked less about it this time around, but it, I, and I, I think my ranking for it went down. Well, uh, speaking of rankings, let's go ahead and uh, give our, our, our final ra- ratings yeah, on it. What, what do you, what do you give it now? I'll be, so, I'm as, I know I'm probably as, as much interested to know what you, where you rank it on a scale from one to 10 as much as you're probably waiting to hear what uh, I, I'm, I'm excited for your ranking. Cause I know when we talked originally about doing this, you were not a fan at all. And I was like, shit, this is going to be great. <laughs> uh, but, but my, uh, my original ranking, no joke. I, I would have put it at about a 7.5. Um, upon okay. this viewing, it okay. didn't drop a lot, but I, I put it at about a six, honestly, this time around. And, and honestly, like I said, I'm still rewatching, uh, survival of the Dead and um, Diary of the Dead, just to get an idea of where I'd rank them together. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd put Land of the Dead uh, this time around where I stand currently. And my rankings always change, but I would definitely put it at a six. All right, here goes. Now, my original ranking back when I saw it back in the day, when I saw it in the theaters, believe it or not, I gave this movie a two. I that's was about that, what I figured. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's where I was. Extre- I was extremely unhappy. I, I felt like it was, you know, a, and, and maybe that's partly my fault, putting, you know, putting too much, you know, into it and uh, being like, this is like a birthday gift just to be, <laughs> you know, oh, for sure. and I was just like, oh, no, I was just like, it's Christmas, but I got coal, you know, it's just when it just I, I, at that point, I hated everything about it. At this point, there's a lot of things I like about them. I, I I guess I couldn't look past the issues that I have with it back in the day. I can look past those now. I, I love some of the characters. I love Cholo. I definitely love Pillsbury. Uh, I love Ajay Argento as Slack. Uh, I love Charlie. I love some of the characters. The practical effects are really, really good. And especially having watched some of the behind-the-scenes uh, tidbits on the DVD this time around. I have a greater appreciation for it, and I, and I, I told you I, I I doubled my 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 rating. So going from a two, I'm at a four. I'm still not, you know, I don't love the movie, but I could see myself watching this again. It's not a movie that I hate so much. That I'm like I'm never going to watch it again. For sure, I, I've I've learned to accept what is, you know, and it, it was it was. You know, Romero got his his big budget way to of, to finally you know bring some of his you know original Day of the Dead you know uh, scenes you know from that to light, and I got to appreciate that because you and know I could definitely stuff, see that in the rewatch. Yeah, and I think you know what some of the stuff you dislike could again with it being big budget, big studio backed, 
producers in the studio may have been like, hey, you have to do this or you have to do that. Because we all know how that goes when you have that level of money involved. Like I said, they I think they said the budget for this was around $15 million. I'm sure there were investors and there were people putting money towards this that were like, oh, no, you need to do this with it. And there's probably stuff he didn't want to do with it, you know? Because, I mean, my God, let's look at, and I'm not like a huge fan of superhero movies, but when you look at like the original version of Justice League versus the Snyder Cut, Oh my God, oh, it's like yeah. night and day difference on those movies when you have give someone full control. Or honestly, when you look at a movie that's a theatrical cut versus an R-rated or an R-rated or an unrated cut, it's amazing how much they change and how different they can be sometimes. And um, the stuff that gets cut out that's like vital to the plot and to the progression of the movie. And, um, you know, it's like, who knows? Uh, what kind of pull they had or what kind of ideas were forced, what George didn't like about the movie or what he did like. It's unfortunate that, you know, he passed and, uh, you know, we don't know, but it's like, you know, I, I, I'd be curious to find out. And uh, I'm gl- no. definitely glad that you, you liked it more upon this rewatch, but I, yeah, I, I like it. Are, I yeah, like it well enough. We, I, I, I yeah. don't love it. I, you know, especially, you know, you know, I think that's obvious with a rating of four, but a rating of two is like a movie I could never recommend to anybody. Sure. You know, a four falls just below. I, I usually have a rule saying I don't recommend anything with a less than a five to people, but I yeah. feel like I, I could still recommend this to people who love the genre, who love the subgenre of zombie movies. And, you know, For if, sure. if if you're a Romero completist, by all means, buy a copy of this. It's not really streaming anywhere, I think, besides Peacock. Um, yeah. You know, thankfully, I had a hard copy of it here. Uh, but, like I said, that be- around Halloween, it's pretty easy to access. You can get it for about five bucks at, like, Walmart or something pretty easily uh, around Halloween. Uh, I, I didn't expect your rating to come down, nor did I expect my rating to come up on it. So it's, uh, I'm glad we found some ha- some happy mediums here. I, I am too, and and you know I uh, I thought it was really fun to uh, discuss something we don't see eye to eye on because we actually agreed on a lot of points. Right. Like I did not we expect agreed that. On a lot of stuff that we did like, so it's like it, there wasn't really any like battle or argument or trying to like sell the other person on why we like it or sell the well, other no, person so I don't, I don't was, believe in that because mutual. people you know people like what they like and hate what they hate and you know you're and why try to convince them otherwise All, the best you can do you know is just be like well, here is to explain where you're coming from try to find some common ground if any and you know just have a discussion, you know, not oh, yeah. everything can be a discussion and, and a debate. It doesn't need to be a fight. Uh, but, you know, it's... I have it's, the same issue with always recommending people that want to see an extreme, weird movie. I always yeah. recommend Tetsuo the Iron Man. And yes, most you recommended more times, that one to me. And I, I need to give that a watch still. And it's, you know, I... Yeah, most, most people I know that I've showed it to or I've recommended to don't like it. And they think I'm crazy and I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a whack job for, for liking it. But it's like... I used to believe in the term guilty pleasures. Uh, I don't believe in that anymore. I just have shit that I like and people need to get over it. <laughs> totally agree. You like what you like and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I recommend the movie Mandy to people all the time. Uh, oh, me too. one of my favorite movies in the last five years. And when I recommend it to people and they watch it, they're just like, what drugs were you on? 
And I'm like, I wasn't, man. I just, I thought it was a cool movie. Or the amount of people are like, I couldn't even finish it. It was so boring. I was like, but you got to make it to that halfway point. Because right at the point, spoiler alert, not really a spoiler, when uh, Mandy gets killed, from that point on, that movie is so off the chain that it's just like, it is like just full tilt boogie, like absolute craziness, Nick Cage going nuts in the best way possible. And I, it was just like, someone was like, hey, Nick, you know, we, we love how crazy you get in movies. Uh, but you don't do it enough, so we wrote a movie where you get to be that crazy pretty much through the whole thing. Yeah, and like then, once we hit Act Two, you just get to go crazy, turn it up, dial that into eleven, and never let go. Like, I, I agree. That was my favorite movie. Of, my total favorite movie of of twenty eighteen, hands down. And oh, I recommended it to dang. so many people that just think, again, think I'm a whack job. You know, I'm just like I don't care. I'm a, I know what's amazing, and that's just it's. I mean, it's fucking God, amazing. I, and some people, yeah, have said said that is boring in the beginning, but I, I think it's a beautiful crescendo of of beautiful serene calmness that just transitions into full tilt boogie psychotronic madness. We love and hate the same stuff. <laughs> it was pretty. Crazy. Yeah, our tastes run almost too similar. For, I'm sure we'll find something. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, we'll we'll, I, we'll find sure. something. It might take some, you know, some some shopping around, but we'll find it. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. So, but before uh, we we call it an end to the festivities, you got anything you want to plug real quick? The you got coming out or? or uh, yeah. Or so I actually uh, I know uh, parallels just wrapped uh, principal photography. I'm very thankful uh, for for. Uh, the involvement that I did have with that, unfortunately, I was not uh, there for the filming of the film, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm so we missed excited. You. We did yes, miss you. I, I missed being on set, and I, I heard you guys had fun, so I'm so glad you guys did, and I'm so proud of everyone involved, and I'm so We made it. Yeah, we got it finished, product. man. We oh made a talkie. God. So exciting, and I'm so excited for you guys. Um, I just finished uh, uh, Principal Photography on both the film Eat the Rich with Frog Lab and then the film uh, He Knows, which is a Christmas horror movie that we've been working on for about a year now. So it just it was just finished. I uh, finished my work on uh, Nathan Thomas Milliner's film On a Dark and Bloody Ground. Uh, that'll be premiering in October, as well as uh, They See You, which uh, we have a trailer for that coming out soon. Uh, by the time this airs, it should be out. Um, and then I'm going to be shooting a movie called Window with a View. Uh, I'm actually leaving for to go shoot that movie here in a couple days, actually. By the time oh, this nice. comes out, I'm sure it'll be finished. But, um, yeah, so uh, don't have a whole lot going on this fall. I have a couple secret projects I can't talk about quite yet, as always. Uh, I got a, I got a few of those know. as well. Nothing, everything uh, the, that I was going to be doing the rest of this year got pushed to spring. Yeah, uh, the two two big projects I had, uh, you know, both got pushed to like April, May. Or, yeah, I, I do got a uh, a chance to shoot a, or a remote cameo for, for a movie with Joel, Joel Weinkoop is doing. That oh, um, nice. I, uh, I just got I got to find a couple of uh, people to play some mercenaries, and I will be good to go. But uh, yeah, I got that opportunity to shoot something remotely, so you know, it's just hard for me to travel these days. So. For sure. But, you well, know, and, I, and I know, you know, things are getting a little crazy out there, too. So I know stuff's getting kind of 
pushed back, postponed, all kinds of goofy stuff right now. So it's uh, yeah, it's with a wonky, but yeah, know. things are getting a little wonky with the resurgence of the COVID and whatnot, and things kind of getting just wonky at the at the <laughs> moment. So yeah, everything I'd I'd rather be be safe and you know postpone things and you know wait for a later date. You know, oh, just absolutely, you know, be safer. You, you can't rush art. You know, it, it can wait. You and when know, you rush wait. it, it's always apparent. So it's always better Absolutely. when in doubt, you know, just it, just wait. Take your time. Wait, take your time. You know, it'll it'll get done eventually. Uh, just surround yourself with positive people and stay safe and everything will always work out. You know, it's uh, some, sometimes things don't always go as planned. But you know what? If they are, are you really making a movie? Are you really creating art if things don't go wrong? You know. Right, I, right. At least in my experiences, you know what I think everything I think right. everything you just said is a good parallel for the uh, land of the dead. Surround yourself <laughs> with good th- people. Stay safe. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Kind of Sometimes things don't work out the way you planned. You know that kind of mo- you know, I, I think you hit the nail right on the fucking head with it. <laughs> I think I did too. Actually, come to think of it, I was just like, he either planned that out really, really fucking intricately, or that was a happy accident. You know what? (laughs) Um, Let's just say I planned it out uh, just so I could sound way cooler than I am. (laughs) I'll edit all this out. I'll edit all this part out. Right? Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Well, well, that being said, having me on. Yeah. I I appreciate you coming on. It's always a fun time when we do these. Uh, I know we just release in in the time space time continuum but things we just released mortal Kombat annihilation episode and that was a fun time I, sometimes i have just as much fun reviewing a movie that maybe i didn't like as as i do you know reviewing movies that i did like it's you know good comp good company is always good company and i enjoy good banter so i appreciate you coming on oh i appreciate you having me always i've i've really enjoyed being a uh kind of like a reoccurring guest on here every now and again and doing stuff and i uh, i'm excited to play in the next one for sure because this is uh this is fun I'm always looking forward to being on here with you yeah it's good times it's good times well i i hate to say but we ought to put a pin in this one for the the, the evening or the afternoon i know you got to get going here so hopefully i haven't kept you too late oh, no. No, but uh yeah we'll we'll talk more when once you maybe you get back from your next shoot and we'll settle on another another one to do for out I'll, I'll shoot some titles at you and see what we can find that we uh agree on huh i would absolutely love that right on right on well folks thank you once again for tuning in we always uh, appreciate your patronage and listening to us ramble on about these movies that we love and some that we don't love very much uh you have been listening to cinema degeneration sequel to deja vu and we have been tearing apart and tearing down or i should say just say dissecting being <laughs> this a zombie movie it makes more sense to just to say we've been dissecting Land of the Dead from I just did something that I might not have done otherwise.